So, do you have your Halloween costume figured out yet? We're getting close. I know. I think we just finally figured it out today. And by we, I mean Sarah's like, I think I want to be this. And I was like, okay, whatever. Because our party's on Saturday. Uh, and she was like, okay, and then you can be this. And I was like, oh, that's kind of easy, and I can do that. Did you see the movie Midsummer? No, but it's definitely on my list to see. It's pretty good. It's a little long, but it's pretty good. Um, anyway, she's dressing up as one of those people. And then my costume will not make sense unless you see the movie, but I'm dressing up as a bear. Ooh, okay, okay. Um, what about What about you? Well, I think I told you before that my goal was to come up with um, yes a couple's costume for me and my dog, because mm-hmm. we are going to a party together. Um, no, my office is throwing a party and we have dogs in my mm-hmm. office. So uh, I was trying to think of something more clever, that, but like I'm not crafty or anything. So basically what I ended up doing was just like looking at dog costumes and seeing what human costumes I could find that would match. Go with yeah. it. <laughs> so what we're doing is uh, she's going to be a Jedi master and I'm going to be her apprentice. <laughs> There's like... Amazing. I got like a, you know, a dog Jedi robe. It's pretty sweet. Oh, that's awesome. You'll definitely have to put that on our Facebook page. Oh, totally. And it's going to be fun because I'll be riding the subway downtown with her in my lap as a Jedi. Amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Looking forward to that. Oh. I wonder, oh, we always have people I know who are uh, donning American Horror Story costumes. So if you are dressing up as an American Horror Story character this year, please share. That's always, always fun. Yep. Yep. So, I guess, guess without further ado. We'll officially start it. Yeah. Yeah, should we jump in? (laughs) Let's do it. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Houston. What's up, everyone? Happy October, almost end of October. October 23rd. Uh, by this time next week, as we were just saying, while it will not have been Halloween yet, most people will probably have had their primary Halloween parties because I'm expecting that to happen uh, pretty much over this weekend. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, that's what old people do, Tyler. Young people probably still go out on Halloween night, even if it's a weeknight. I mean, look, I'm not saying I'm not going to do anything on Halloween night. I'm just saying the real ragers <laughs> are going to go on on Saturday. Um, Agreed. Well, you said that you're, you so you said you guys are hosting a party. Is that correct? Are you going? To no, we go, okay. we go to a party, kind of the same party every year, and then on Halloween itself, because it's gone on a weeknight, we kind of do things around the neighborhood, probably. But what do you do? I'm in a new house, or we're in a new house this Halloween, and so I'm curious to see. There's a lot of kids in the neighborhood. I don't know. Maybe we'll get some trick-or-treaters. It's kind of fun. Uh, I think there mm-hmm. are some parties going on. There might be a block party, and there might be something at the bar. I've got a bar at the end of the street. Maybe there'll be something going on down there. I'm sure we'll find something. Nice. And then, actually, the party I was talking about, uh, the work party is actually on a Halloween, too. So I think it's right after like a happy hour party, though, and everyone's kind of going to go do their own thing. Sweet. So that will be, yeah, very exciting. Um, Before we dive into the 100th episode of American Horror Story, uh, we want to remind everybody, as always, to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. We keep the conversation going there. The theory's flowing. 
we, you know, express our excitement and exasperation, all that stuff, please join us in the conversation there. Or if you want a little bit of a more private conversation, you can email us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. We always appreciate that. And please rate us, review us on iTunes. Um, you know, that's how more people hear about us, and that's how we keep things growing. Before we dive too much into this episode, Chris, uh, what are you drinking this fine evening? I'm... F- I'm finally there, Tyler. I have my uh, warm, <laughs> nice, we're both holding up cider with some uh, bourbon in it. Uh, it looks like you have the same thing. Mm-hmm. Although, of course, you uh, you go for the warm version, and I have mine on the rocks. So, Right. Cheers, cheers. to that. That's how you know it's truly American Horror Story season. Yep. <laughs> so before we dive into this specific episode, a few things I wanted to touch on briefly. Uh, first one being, there was a lot of th- uh, theories going around that Brooke was going to be pregnant in this mm-hmm. episode. After, um, you know, having sex with Ron last episode, or Ray, sorry, having sex with Ray last episode. Um, clearly that didn't happen, but that was definitely something that was kind of out there in the ether. I think there was a lot of theories that, oh, they were going to give birth to, you know, maybe one of the kids from Apocalypse or this or that, but, or, or you know, another baby Satan. That didn't end up happening, um, which I think is probably for the better. I think we've seen enough demonic good, babies. Good job, American Horror Story, showing restraint. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought this was interesting. Uh, Lauren on Facebook uh, said that her and her husband both listened to the show, and after last episode, um, when we kind of, you know, of course, got the big reveal that Margaret was the actual killer all along, um, he had remarked, I guess, back in you know the episode titled "Mr. Jingles." that it was interesting that the episode about Mr. Jingles was all about Margaret, who was obviously the real Jingles. So I thought that was just an interesting insight and, you know. Absolutely. They were being a little Because I think after that episode, we were like, well, why was that episode not really about Mr. Jingles? Well, makes a lot more sense in retrospect now. Yep. Uh, Finally, Charmaine via email pointed out that the segment last episode where we see Mr. Jingles get electroshock therapy is quite similar to the electroshock therapy we see in Asylum, that Lana gets. I think we talked a little bit about some of the parallels there, um, but there we still do have Sarah Paulson coming back for a cameo this season. So still I some think speculation. Next episode. Is it next? Oh, yeah, we didn't see her in the preview. I don't think, but I do think it was episode seven that we had thought that was going to happen. And so mm-hmm. you know we'll have to see if she's a new character if she is reprising Lana Winter. Maybe that could be interesting. Um, so. Cold open. There's some interesting stuff happening in this cold open. Um, Want to run us through it? Sure. Um, so we kind of open up at a motel. I, and because this is the 100th episode, I totally thought we were immediately going to jump into um, different characters from previous uh, seasons. Turns out we're not really getting that. But we do open it to a motel in 1985. And we are in a room with a family. Looks like a husband and a wife and two kids. And there's there's music blasting. They're going to Disneyland. So the yes. So oh yeah. So they're so um they go next door or the wife goes next door, bangs on the door, says you know keep it down. Turns out they it is Richard Rodriguez's uh, Ramirez. room. Ramirez. Who's Richard? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Ah, um, Night Stalker. Uh, and he's playing Billy Idol, and he says, Billy Idol, this is how you play him. It's either nothing or it's this level. Uh, behind him, turns out it's Jingles. <laughs> They're rooming together. Anyway, he tries to bring the woman in. 
Jingles says stop it. I'm going to call him Jingles and not um, what his real name is because I think we come full circle at the end of this episode. Uh, and so he lets the woman go, um, calls her French. She's actually German. And Jingles says, listen, I've counted 11 people you've killed. And uh, Richard Ramirez says, you know, you can't get out of this. Satan saved your life, so you owe him your life, and there will be literal hell to pay if you don't. So we jump forward the next day, and they're at the, like a gas station or a little... Um, um, Convenience store, yeah. Little, yeah, a little shop. Bodega. And Jingles is, uh, as soon as I like, as soon as the night soccer uh, hops out of the car, he pulls out the music and immediately pops in Ario Speedwagon, which I loved. Yeah. Uh, and also the lyrics to the song work really well with this. Um, and then he pops out of the car and sees the newspaper, the headline with Night Stalker in Spanish, drops a quarter in, pulls it out, passes it to a group of women standing outside of the shop where um, Night Stalker's inside and uh, kind of gives them a little hint like check out that way and immediately as soon as he comes out there's a gang of people uh, waiting for him and then he tries to bolt and people just keep chasing him and he ultimately can't get away and as he gets his first whack of the head uh, to the ground and falls to the ground you see Jingles drinking his tab soda and pulling away cruising by oh man a couple of interesting things here first of all I don't, Jingles look it's so it's so weird what's at with this that point facial hair his his gross facial hair that's like shaved around it's, but like not around, like his around his entire mouth, mouth. <laughs> oh it's so <laughs> creepy it's that. creepy then he's got his like glasses with like the one eye darkened and uh he's it's like his really terrible come over oof it's 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 not a good look for him um other thing I wanted to point out is uh, we're getting a little bit of a real glimpse of, of history here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, according to Wikipedia, which is obviously, you know, the um, uh, 100% true source for all uh, historical information, in the Richard Ramirez <laughs> entry, it says, On August 30th, 1985, Ramirez took a bus to Tucson, Arizona to visit his brother, unaware that he had become the lead story in virtually every major newspaper and television news program across California. After failing to meet his brother, he returned to L.A. early on the morning of August 31st. He walked past police officers who were staking out the bus terminal in hopes of catching the killer, should he attempt to flee on an outbound bus, to a convenience store in East Los Angeles. After noticing a group of elderly Mexican women fearfully identifying him as El Matador, or the killer, which I think they actually were saying to him uh, here, Ramirez saw his face on the front pages of the newspaper rack and fled the store in panic. After running across the Santa Ana freeway, he attempted to carjack a woman, but was chased away by bystanders who pursued him. After hopping over several fences and attempting two more carjackings, he was eventually subdued by a group of residents, one of whom struck him over the head with a metal bar in the pursuit. The wow, group that's ha- pretty spot on. Yep, the group held Ramirez down and relentlessly beat him until the police arrived and took him into custody. So, wow. you know, we uh, we got the real play of, of how Ramirez really went down, except for the fact, I guess, that in our version, uh, Jingles is the one who set him up. Right, right. It wasn't just the news having his face out there, mm-hmm. which I'm surprised that that didn't already happen on its own. But well, well, I like the assist from Jingles in this version. It's kind of cute. No, for sure. But obviously, it comes back to bite him in the end. Sure does. Sets us up for the last a uh, few episodes. Yeah. So of course we kind of are jumping back and forth between. 85 and 89 pretty much in this episode i guess yes. um let's start with 
what's going on back at Camp Redwood, because that's kind of, I would say, maybe the least eventful timeline of any of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we see kind of this, uh, you know, start off, this is the scene from the preview where the photographer is coming and taking pictures of the birds and stuff, and then after kind of seducing him a touch and sticking her fingers in his fanny pack, uh, Montana that's pretty... so raunchy. <laughs> Montana pretty brutally stabs him. Um... Of course, we have the uh, old-timer singing out. So this is, we know, apparently, uh, there's more people in purgatory here than we realize, not just Jonas. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, we weren't able to see them during, I guess, the... Right, they decided not to appear during that evening that Jonas was the only one who kept showing up. Right, so are we to assume that this is the group of campers that died from Margaret's original massacre? Original, yeah. That's, that's what I inferred. Because some of them look pretty young to be counselors. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a just one observation. But I, yeah, so that's the interesting thing. Also, apparently, Xavier and Montana are Montan- they're dating now. Dead I guess. dating. Mm-hmm. Dead dating. Um, and you know, Ray is their body janitor, which is kind of funny because that's the similar role to what he had at a, you know, in real life before he died. You know, he was like the one cleaning oh, yeah. up, cleaning up the the bodies at the hospital or whatever so now he's he's doing it again here with the dead um ray's pissed at him too he's like i'm sick of this well he seems to think that maybe you know if they have better behavior they're going to be sucked out of purgatory but xavier's kind of taken on a pretty an anarchic i guess uh, approach doesn't think anything matters so he's like well fuck it i'm going to kill people if nothing matters and he you know he kind of yeah he can't really blame him because as we discussed last episode, he he kind of was a good guy and kind of did the right thing and still got screwed over in the end. So it doesn't. It's no, not really clear he why said, he's in purgatory. I tried to, to save Birdie. I saved Margaret instead. Yeah, he. I tried to. He said I tried to save Birdie. I saved Margaret instead, and she killed me. Right. So fuck it. I'm gonna kill people. Being good. But race says something interesting here. Ray says, you know, there has to be rules to this. We just don't know what the rules are yet. And they're like, now nah, we're just going to kill people. So I think we're going to see some comeuppance for just killing willy-nilly by Montana and Xavier uh, at some point. Right. Yeah, so I guess, you know, that could be something that is going to unfold is maybe there's... I mean, I would assume before the end of the season we find out exactly what what these rules are and some people are able to pass on and others aren't. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think we like oh, this scene that much between them. No, I mean, it not not enough. It was characters I mean, explaining their motivations. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't linger. I guess on this for most of the episode because, frankly, it was kind of boring. I mean, you, you know, you had the initial murder, but it was like, eh. Um, well, and the whole point of the scene was to set up a body being discovered so they all have to go back to Camp Redwood and that was just a very roundabout way and knowing way maybe I don't know it was fine but other stuff happened happening in the rest of the episode I thought was much more compelling for sure for sure uh, so you know on to I guess uh, everything that's happened to Margaret since the the lifestyles you know, of the rich and famous and the last episode and you know, this is a more compelling storyline um also i love her her hair throughout this segment yeah um she's been buying up all these uh, haunted properties i guess with her dead husband's money which i think we can pretty fairly say she killed probably her husband to get this fortune <laughs> probably previously 
Um, I think someone else theorized that in a past email or something. Uh, you know, she's got the John Wayne Gacy house. She has the Winchester Mystery House, Spawn Ranch, and then of course Bri- Briarcliff Manor, the Asylum from Asylum. Yeah, uh, so a little little shout That's out our there. Nod. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun. Asylum. What's up, Sister Jude? Uh, and of course, her companion is Trevor, who we didn't think we were going to. Well, you know, as we always say, the dead are never dead on, on American Horror Story. Trevor's back out of the coma. Um, we get a little backstory on you know everything they've got going on. Uh, when we see him, he's in a pretty dark place. You know, snorting coke, snorting coke, and feeling pretty depressed about the world. It, it so seems. Um, and we get this flashback in which basically he kind of blackmailed Margaret. He he knew that she stabbed him, but decided he didn't really have any power, so he just wanted the, the money. So he's kind of taken a turn from the courageous character we saw before he got stabbed. Um, which is too bad, because I, I mean, I think we both said previously that we kind of liked that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't think we needed the three-way flashback where we had, well, flash-forward slashback because we first see him in the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous uh, with Robin Leach, which I remember that show when I was a kid, um, when uh, he's like the fun husband in the video segment of show- her showing her house. And then we get the flash to also present time, 1989, I'm assuming, where he's doing coke and pissed off and they're fighting. And then we get the flashback to 1985 of of him making that deal i think we could have cut maybe the middle one out there but yeah anyway well and at first it seems like maybe they're in kind of a loveless marriage but then i think maybe we see that like arguing is kind of what gets them off apparently um that was very confusing to me came out of nowhere so you know i mean and obviously you know he accompanies her to see brooke get executed so Mm -hmm. he's kind of bought into to margaret's deal now um it also seems as if instead of committing murder anymore that like she's replaced that darkness with her business kind of is is how i Mm -hmm. understand it and also she's she's no longer um religious which is apparently tied to her not feeling that compulsion to kill is, is what how i understand it because she, she kind of talks about that in the same way which is interesting that's how i interpreted it too you know they talk about how she gave up on god and then she's kind of filled the hole with the dark with the business. homes of murder so that's kind of taking its place right now and she isn't ready to kill again or yet but she loves to stir the pot with uh, serial killers Right, and of course we get a little bit of a cameo here from our Yay. friend Leslie Jordan, who we haven't seen since. Yes. Uh, well, he was in Coven. Did he make a reappearance in... He was in uh, Roanoke. Uh, Roanoke. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. He was in Roanoke, but I, mean, I don't remember if he was... I don't think he was in Apocalypse. Apocalypse. I'm trying to remember two now, and I'm getting all those seasons confused, but obviously most known for being on the Witch's Council in... Uh, Coven, I think. It was his most significant story arc. But fun to have him back as the assistant to Margaret, um, who's concerned about the business circling the toilet. Apparently they're having some issues, even though apparently the Lizzie Borden B&B is doing pretty well. It's doing well. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the descriptions that she does in this whole sequence of the different houses is pretty fantastic. I liked her Morbid, but fantastic. Yeah, it was was pretty gross. um, There was a line in here that... Um, Leslie Jordan says that where he talk, he says, you know, they think we dishonor the dead, and I, I think there might be something to that because obviously, as they go back to Camp Redwood, that's kind of the 
I mean, that's why the dead are still angry at them is because they've been dishonored. So I think that's it was mm-hmm. kind of some foreshadowing, even though it's pretty blatant. Um, and then, you know, once they find out about the murder in Redwood, they decide to go back. My question for you, I guess, is how... Is Margaret aware of what's going on? Because, I mean, obviously she knew about Jonas being being there and kind of the purgatory aspect. Yeah, I don't think she's thought this through. Um, or I'm surprised that she went back there to do this event. I would understand her throwing it or putting her name on it but not going there because she knows that people come back um to or their their ghosts live there like jonas's did so i don't know maybe she doesn't know that she could i'm trying to remember like she was pretty confused when she saw jonas but she knew who he was so why wouldn't she think that all the other counselors and um the people who like the old ones plus the new ones that are dying there that she's killing off or that jingles killed off would not also live in that purgatory in that in their time loop right not only that she doesn't seem all that concerned about the possibility of all the guests at her festival being murdered by whoever put that dead body there in fact she seems to believe that the idea of a murder being uh you know having taken place there is kind of the attraction and what's going to draw people to the festival in the first place it's making me really excited for to for this next episode though because it is I like that it's a food and music fest. I also like that it's hosted over Halloween weekend, so maybe this is essentially kind of our Halloween episode next week if this is the episode that happens next week. I mean, that would be pretty fitting considering it'll be on the 30th. So, that would be kind of I fun. hope they they haven't done a Halloween episode, a true one in a in few a seasons, I feel like. No, yeah, I, don't, I miss no. those. I do too. Those were those were always. I mean, it kind of helped you get in the mood, you know. Yeah. Um, the other, I mean, and then of course, kind of how this segment ends is we see we find out that Chet really did die in the mm-hmm. drown, drowning, um, and he has a mission for sure to kill Margaret, which we would presume that Xavier, Xavier probably does as well because remember she is the one who brutally stabbed him after Burned. he saved her. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so. Yep. So, you know, we have a couple characters who have pretty good motivation to want to, to kill. Revenge. After this. Yeah, yeah, for revenge. Um, but Montana basically says, you know, wait, there's going to be a slaughter fest happening. Which, I mean, mm-hmm. cl- clearly that's the setup. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether or not we actually see the festival take place or whether it's going to be another thing where it's like all taking place prior to the festival. Similar mm-hmm. to how things happened at camp. And then, of course, let's transition over to San Quentin Prison, where Brooke has been sentenced to death. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of has a, a Silence of the Lambs-style walk through the prison <laughs> as, as people are, you know, the other inmates are cajoling her. And, and that's also how we find out that uh, this is where Richard Ramirez has been sent and is just kind of uh, living out his life sentence. I would imagine, I wouldn't be surprised if in real life this is really where Richard Ramirez was imprisoned i would guess in northern california Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised yeah yeah um and he tries a couple of times to basically seduce her into becoming satan's puppet and you know give brooke credit she does not go for it she tells him to fuck off every time he you know he he gives the really gruesome details of how an injection works all that kind of stuff all those execution styles yeah that was kind of that was morbid and dark and curious how accurate it actually is 
Well, I mean, there is some pretty horrible stuff that, like, when it comes to how lethal injections work and all that kind of stuff. I've, uh, I've definitely. Oh yeah, heard our states had a bunch of issues with the drug that they use and how it's every yeah it's not it's not good well and a lot of times the people who are actually administering the drugs like because real doctors refuse to do it it'll, it'll be like people mm-hmm. who aren't really well trained so they'll miss the veins and it, it can be horrible and just really it's horrible. a mess right um so you know this is what she has coming to her which is pretty bleak uh, in the meantime richard gets the visit from red I think is what he calls this woman. Is it clear who, I mean, who this is really? Just... I hadn't seen her before, or I didn't remember her. No, I don't remember her either. Um, maybe just another... Fan, fan is he, what I thought. Yeah, kind of like a Manson-style fan he's picked up along the way, mm-hmm. I guess. And she's the one, of course, who lets him know about uh, the festival that just so happens to have Billy Idol. Yes. Quite a coincidence yeah. there, huh? Yeah, that that makes it real easy for him to make decide what his next move is going to be. Right? Did you, you look think... at the flyer and see who any of the other people were? No, I didn't look. Did you? I I tried to get as many as I could. I saw Billy Idol, who's the headliner, because he makes fun of all the other people on. He's like, these people were done in the eighties. One hit wonders. Yeah. No one's ever gonna remember them, and it was Flock of Seagulls, The Go Go's, featuring Belinda Carlisle, which I remember growing up with my mom playing. Debbie Gibson. Rick Springfield is one of the names on it, which is pretty great. <laughs> uh, Men Without Hats, Tony Basil, or Basil, and Paul Schaefer, and there's a few others that I couldn't catch in time, but it was a good list. What a festival. I mean, we would uh, love to go to this festival. <laughs> I, I hope they employ some of that music next episode because that would be a good time. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see a character play Billy Idol? I. That was one of my questions for you. I mean, we, are we going to see Billy Idol play Billy Idol? <laughs> In a flash forward? Oh, that's, I, I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, Martin Scorsese is employing that new uh, de aging technology on that's Robert, right. Robert De Niro, so maybe we could pull some of that in. Yeah, um, I kind of hope so. That'd be pretty awesome if we get a cameo from the actual Billy Idol, but <laughs> I imagine uh, we'll, I don't know. I, I, I imagine they'll maybe do some like wide shots where you might be able to see Billy Idol from afar and you can see his hair, but it's clearly an actor just mimicking him. Or we won't even get to the point where this festival happens and everything, like you said, happens bef- to the lead up or the festival is happening on the other side of the lake when all the murders are happening on the side that we're going to be watching. Right. Um, of course, you know... I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, this is what convinces Night Stalker that he needs to break out of prison and, and basically seek mortality. He also kind of has this complex, it seems like, where like a, like a fantastic musician, he needs to evolve and, and be you know, live on in people's minds instead of just be a, a trivia fact. Uh, right. So, and when he yeah. does his little satanic ritual, when he's asked for this uh, immortality, and he promises to make the festival unforgettable, unforgettable so Billy Idol can live forever, <laughs> like in the minds of people in, in the music uh, industry. He also says he promises to like send Satan more souls or so many souls it'll make hell overflow or something. So he's going to go on a rampage for sure. Oh, yeah. There's, there's going to be a lot of murder taking place at this festival as he uh, uses his black magic to basically have the, you know, uh, prison guard on the shitter walk him right out of the prison. Um, in the meantime, you know, Brooke is getting her, inje- or about to get her injection, and um, that scene where she talks directly to Margaret through the glass I thought was pretty compelling, a pretty badass That was move. awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Emma's been great in this uh, yeah. season. Yeah, I, I thought that was solid too. Um, also, like the fact that Trevor was just there, like with her, it's like, man, he's really become you a, a shit. good guy. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah, Ugh. so that's kind of disappointing. Um, yeah, and then you know, we of course, when when Brooke went out, I was like, she, there's no way she's really dead. I'm sure you felt the same way. Is like oh yeah, yeah I was like, how is she going to come back? She's coming back, and of course, we find out that the uh, executioner was none other than Donna. So that was kind of a fun twist. I'd almost forgotten about Donna. I I had forgotten, and I loved the reveal of the mask ripped off. That was awesome. Um, that so was... Donna's kind of on her redemption arc, I guess. True, and I mean, also cool that it was fitting because you know we already have had her giving an injection to. Uh, Brooke earlier in the Brooke season. Brooke before. Mm-hmm. That's a good nod. So that was. Nice. I thought that was. I, I even put. Ooh, that's a fun twist. So that was. That was a good mm-hmm. end. That was a good end. A little wink. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now our our final timeline. Uh, saddest timeline, maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jingles j- escaped to a yeah. life. You uh, I mean Donald uh, resettled Donald. in Alaska right. with, with his former prostitute wife and his little baby. Mm-hmm. Living by living by the question every day: Are you happy? You know, making good. Um, but now he works at Blockbuster, basically um, some kind of Blockbuster knockoff. And I don't know. I whenever I see babies in this show, I always expect them to be demonic. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You've you've definitely been paying attention, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you mean he's he's aware of the festival happening. Um, but yeah, like it's, he's finally gotten over it. You know, he's like, I, it was another life. I don't feel that compulsion to go take, kill her anymore. Um, he's, he just wants to deliver people happiness. You know, that when people come to buy horror movies, he instead slips mystic pizza into their, uh, VHS box and terms of endearment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That was great. So that was kind of sweet. Um, I, if I were her though, I'd be pissed too. I, I, I want, if I, I wanted Friday the 13th, I wanted, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and I can't remember the other one that she said, but I would be pretty pissed if I got those slipped in there. Yeah. Um, no, I think she had a fair point. Um, he yeah. might not be getting his promotion. But I like promotion. his heart's in the right place. He, he, his heart is in the right place. But, you know, he comes home to find Night Stalker's been there. Uh, slaughtered his wife pretty brutally. That's quite a ways to come up from California to Alaska that quickly to, to carry so this too. out. Well... And that's why I was like, I didn't think it would be Night Stalker that would make that trip. So there is a chance that, I don't know, maybe Satan occupied someone else's body for the moment because we saw that he could do that through the security guard or the officer that helps, uh, oh, and right. helps Richard escape. I feel like maybe but, that has to be the most obvious answer because otherwise it's like, I mean... Why get, make that trip? Well, and he also, like, he, you have to imagine they know he escaped from prison, so there's got to be people on the lookout for him now, so... Right. Uh, he can't be, you know, crossing all the way up to, to Canada for the or across yeah, Canada to Alaska right. for this. Um, and so, you know, he realizes, of co- you know, Jingles realizes, of course, that he can't escape the past and uh, gives away the baby to some uh, it's, random person. I believe it's his wife's or girlfriend, um, her sister. Oh, yes. Because he, he shouts to her that because she's asked her uh, where Lorraine is and I believe Lorraine was the name of his wife and mm. he says um, your sister's dead or mm. she's dead yeah so yeah yeah um, so that was kind of sad you know he 
he, he kind of gives her the message to, like, you know, he's protecting his son, Bobby. I was trying to look through the American Horror Story kind of fan Wikipedia to see if we had any Bobby if from a Bobby's past season. Bobby's name or someone. The only mm-hmm. other Bob I could come across was uh, Bob Thompson from Colt, who's the reporter that Dermot Mulroney plays on the news. So I don't think that's the same Bob. So mm. as far as I know, I don't think it's a character we end up seeing again, at least not in, mm-hmm. you know, a season, a past season. Um but yeah, Jingles is, is he's he's Jingles again. He he dons the same jacket that he's apparently kept all this time. And he's got uh, his keychain. He's got his keychain. You know, he, they got to know he's coming, I guess. <laughs> yep. Well, the remember the note says Satan will have his vengeance that had that was left on Bobby. So, I think Jingles is going to go try to get his vengeance. I'm pretty sure he knows he'll ultimately die. It's a suicide mission because there's no way you can get out of it after you've sold yourself sold to the devil. Yeah, I mean, he seems to have accepted. But he'll that do some at, good at things. Point. I mean, so he's... I think we're gonna see round two of uh, of Night Stalker versus Mister Jingles. For sure. I mean, now we got Margaret involved. And um, question for you is: Is Brooke is Brooke a killer now? Is she gonna be out taking lives? We know also the dead the dead uh, people in Purgatory are gonna be trying to take lives too. I think the teaser for next week kind of showed a little bit of who Brooke is post execution. <laughs> um, and I think, I don't think she wants to go back, but I think Donna is pushing, is going to push her to go back because they have unfinished business there. Um, I don't think she's a straight up killer, uh, but I don't think she'll hesitate to kill to exact her revenge on uh primarily margaret she they all want to kill margaret but i think well i don't know who 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 deserves to get the kill she screwed them all over jingles she screwed big time brooke she screwed big time and then she murdered all the other ones for pretty much right yeah i mean who deserves to kill her i feel like obviously jingles and uh Jingles and Brooke are the ones who have like had to endure suffered the most. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess they're still alive time-wise. versus yeah. <laughs> Shutter's Xavier. So <laughs> hard to say, hard to say. She's got a lot of people who are going to be out for blood. Um, and I, you know, I think that that's a good take too because I feel like obviously Brooke has gone through all this point. To, you know, still trying to take the moral high ground. Um, didn't accept Night Stalker's offer to. Uh, devote herself to Satan and, and that sort of thing. So, and I mean, you know, her last words to, I think Margaret through the glass are like, you know, I'm always going to be innocent, and that's you're when you're burning. And you're going to burn in hell for this. Right. Did you? So that was one of my questions, and I, I'm trying to still figure it out. But how do you think Brooke, Brew? How do you think Brooke will get back to camp, and why is she going to be like kind of forced to go? Because she has to. Otherwise, we don't have a conclusion to this whole Camp Redwood story. I mean, you got to figure maybe that her and Donna are going to try to go back to save the people at the festival from getting murdered, potentially. Probably. They feel like it's their moral duty to prevent more death from happening. Yeah. And I mean, you yeah. could especially see Donna feeling that way because she kind of provoked the last slaughter to a certain mm-hmm. extent, or at least part of it. And so maybe she will feel compelled and, and will kind of talk Brooke into it for that reason, too, because um, she knows Brooke is kind of a noble person. That's my mm-hmm. best guess. Yeah. I, can, mm-hmm. I, I get on board with that. My question for you is, we had so much talk about a twist this season. Um, we kind of got so invested in the idea that there was going to be something clever happening 
and I think it's pretty clear now that that's not going to be the case. Um, is that a let? Well, that, is that a letdown to you? I don't know. No, because I we still sort of got kind of a twist, but it's a twist that if you watch American Horror Story, you will expect will happen at certain some point, and that's just the time jump. Mm-hmm. We jumped ahead a couple years, and for any other TV show, it'd be like, oh shit, we just jumped five years in the future. Um, but for this show, we know that to expect that that it will happen. But the way that they set this up for the final three episodes of this festival is going to go down. Everyone who went through this whole ordeal five years ago, uh, or uh, yeah, five years ago, is going to reconvene in the same location is really exciting, I think. And we don't have to deal with aliens or demons or anything bizarre that they're throwing in last minute to, to because they're interested in doing that. It's straightforward. This is the most like concise, <laughs> uh, cleanly written season, I think, ever. Um, and and that's kind of our twist, perhaps. Mm-hmm. No, I what think do you think? Are you just are you disappointed? I am not. I was thinking about this a little bit, and I do think I kind of got invested in some of the fun ideas. But at the same time, we were really worried that they were going to do something that ended up being a ripoff of Roanoke because they had already done that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and I do think I'm I'm glad it didn't take that tack. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there was we were looking for hints that there was going to be some kind of more meta situation happening, whether they were like in a movie or in a video game or something like that. But in the end, it just so I mean, the truth is that they were just adhering to the kind of corniness of the '80s, and I don't know that's mm-hmm. a, I don't know that's a bad thing. I've uh, talked to a few people who watch it, and they are loving this season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it seems like I, I mean. From folks responding on Facebook and stuff, I feel like that's mostly consensus. There's a few people who were kind of let down by, I think, last episode, but it seemed like the majority were on board. Um, I know mm-hmm. you. I know you and I have really enjoyed it so far. I will say for yeah. me, I don't know that this episode should have been called episode 100. I think it's fun that they called it out, but it's like nothing special happened to allow it to like to give it that title, other than just calling out that they spent 100 episodes. I feel like if you're going to call call it episode 100 there needed to be more of a tie-in with past seasons or something like that something right you know what i mean Um, a few more nods that that is the biggest disappointment of this because there's so much theorizing going on of how they're going to do nods to every season and which characters might pop back up turns out we got like like two or three nods there's probably people that will um, inspect this episode more and find some easter eggs perhaps but overall it just felt kind of like its own episode from the middle of a season that's not necessarily completely filler, but uh, putting the uh, pieces in place for the, the, the finale that's going to happen over the next or the last third of the season. Right, right. So I We mean, should note, though, this episode was written by Ryan and Brad. Yeah. So I bet I it was mean, one of the they, shortest episodes, too. It did seem like there was even more commercials than normal, which there's always a lot of commercials. Uh, mm-hmm. In this season, but you know, maybe they're writing it because I mean, the hope being that we have a really, you know, tight last third of the season, and they really know where they're going with things. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of that, I don't know that I really have a clear idea of where the season's going. I mean, other than we know that there's going to be a lot of slaughter happening in, in these last few episodes, um, I do think we can pretty clearly say that Redwood is a hellmouth. Um, maybe that's, I mean, honestly, maybe that's what, um, right. maybe all the places that Margaret bought are Hellmouths, you know? 
Mm, um, that'd be interesting. I believe it. Other question being, can Night Stalker be killed? Because we know he already is, has been revived once at Camp Redwood, so he might be in, invincible. I mean, he already right. He he already told Satan he was going to be immortal. So that's kind of an interesting aspect as well. Right. So I don't know what they do about did that. Did you catch the preview? I did, I did. But before we talk about that, what are you going to rate this episode? I give it three and a half severed years, which sounds low, but it still is good and stuff happened and the pieces are you know put into place for, I think, what I'm very excited about, which is how they've set up these final three episodes because, um, you know, now that we know the whole concept of what the ghosts can do how they can just pop up in random places and they'll kill each other like we saw xavier all of a sudden pop up behind the girlfriend Mm -hmm. and go and slice her throat that'll be really fun to see how our mortal uh heroes kind of combat that uh trying to figure out how that goes so i like that the pieces are in place for something good to happen but ultimately this episode was just fine yeah that's not a bad thing yeah just fine I'm gonna give so it three and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna severed ears. I'm gonna give it even mm-hmm. a, a one slightly step down from you. Give it three and a quarter, just because. Okay. I honestly, it, what just annoyed me, like what what took that extra quarter point off was the naming of this episode, episode 100. Yeah, and kind of and playing up even don't in, tease us with that. Well, yeah. and in the teasers and stuff, they talk about it being episode 100, and so it just seemed yeah. like there should have been something more significant in that regard. Um, right. If you're going to call it that, otherwise, you know, just you can note that it's episode 100, but don't, but don't put it in the title of the episode and stuff. That's, yeah, I don't know. But there was there was good moments. Um, I, you know, the situation happening back at the camp was whatever, but I, I enjoyed um, Brooks' kind of situation at, at the uh, yeah at the prison. See how she had changed. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, the jingles and Night and Stalker the thing. There was some cheesy moments, but it was still entertaining. And then, of course, yeah. you know everything that happened in Jingles after he tried to restart his life. So, after you after you explained the whole cold, cold open historical take uh, on me, that I liked it a little bit more because after the cold open, not knowing that that was pretty similar to the history of what really went down, I was like, that wasn't that exciting. <laughs> it was kind of boring. Yeah, and that's kind of why I speculated. It seemed like it seemed very specific. So I was like, well, and we know yeah. we know that in eighty. I'm glad you checked that. And I remember that in eighty five was the year Ramirez got caught. So I, I wanted mm-hmm. to check and see what that situation was. And, and yeah, I guess they. Right. So yeah, there's appreciation for that certainly. Um, so talking cool. about the preview next week, uh, guess who is back? Um, while we didn't see Sarah Paulson, we did see. Dylan McDermott. Yes. And he looks like he's a concert guy. Okay, I wrote that down. I was like, was that him? Yeah. He was in the back seat, right? Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Well, we knew, yeah, there was news that we were going to get Dylan back, and um, that was definitely him. And he appears like he's Loved he's it. kind of, he's wearing, like, concert-going garb. I don't know what He looks gonna... like a bro that's ready to party and do some ecstasy or whatever they did in 1989. Coke. Yeah, yeah. Lots um, of Coke. So I, I presume that he's there for the festival. Seemed like what it was going to be, so that's yeah. fun. Um, always love Dylan McDermott. And then, of course, we have some flashes of, uh, you know, everyone being back at camp together and mm-hmm. various people attacking other people. Um, ex- yeah, you know, carrying, I think carrying out their Brooke vengeance. yells, like, how, like, how do you, like, something, like, you psychopaths keep, like, moving around or something like that, which got me excited, like, about 
how they're going to take them down. And I think we see the ghosts at one point have jingles tied up or something like that too. So Yeah, mm-hmm. they tackled them or something. And then we do see a brief moment of it looks like um, Donna tied up uh, in the middle of the road, perhaps attached to um, a car or something. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, that's kind of intense. Which now that I've seen the first episode of uh, Watchmen, have you seen that? I, yes, I just actually watched that earlier tonight. Yeah, that is dark. And okay. also also that has some like racial and like LGBTQ dark connotations mm-hmm. too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I'm like, oh shit, I hope they're doing this correctly because that's dark. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens there. But, um, oof. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're being queued up for what should be a pretty eventful episode. So we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, um, any other takes, or shall we uh, sign off? I feel like this was a pretty like concise episode, and I I don't have a ton more to really like theorize on it yet. I think um, next episode we'll have a lot more now that people are kind of back together. Right. Yeah, we'll be we'll be back at it. So, well, hey, that's a lot to look forward to, and you know it'll be right before Halloween, so that'll be fun too. Um, So, between now and then, Chris, where can people find you? I am on Instagram and Twitter, at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. And what about you, Tyler? I am on Twitter at TJMoss11. As always, you guys can also uh, join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. You can email us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. And please go and rate us and review us on iTunes. We always appreciate that. Uh, until next week, happy hunting, everybody.